Hello and welcome to No Direction's official PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. Our coverage would not be possible without the help of our con staff, Paizo, and our patrons. Find more seminar recordings at nodirectionpodcast.com. All right, hello all. Um, my, my name is Adam Vick. I uh, do some of the art direction for the Starfinder line, and I am with. I'm Chris Sims. I'm a the AP developer for the Starfinder line. And I'm Rob McCurry. I'm the creative director for Starfinder. And uh, we're here today to talk about a couple of, well, one of the APs, Donna Flame, and then the upcoming Alien Archive 3. So I guess we can just start with uh, one of our favorite images from Donna Flame. And um, that would be this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is Navasi in the uh, Brass Bazaar on the Burning Archipelago talking to an Afridi. Uh, he looks like he's kind of saying, what? Yeah, what's going on here? Uh, it's really just great showing off the lights in that setting and the eclectic collection of beings that are in the area. And also, I just love the way Navasi looks. She looks very Navasi. Yeah. So. Why is there that kind of light in the Burning Archipelago? Because the Burning Archipelago is in the atmosphere of the sun. So yeah, lots of bright lights because it's inside the sun. Yeah, <laughs> and kind of taking from, you know, the classic Afreti look, but updating it in our science fiction way for the setting. And the artist on this, you know, how this kind of works is the developers kind of work out what they're looking for within the story and then it comes to me and we kind of go back and forth on the description and then I we have like a stable of artists that we go through and then kind of pick the person that we think will be best to represent what is trying to be told and so um, in this image we think that they did a pretty good job and that they're kind of showing the grandeur and the scope of everything so this is in what volume it's in number 13. In number 13, so yeah. which starts it off. So This is the Alien Archive opener for number 13, which the Ifrit genies appear in. So, so yeah. So I guess we can go on to the next, next image. And this is an Ifrit, which is uh, a fire. It's, a, it's someone who is a humanoid but has... Uh, a bloodline that can be traced back to the plane of fire like an Ifridi. Um, and she is the bad guy in number 14. Her name is Jalusan. Uh, and she's a warrior and a mercenary captain. And uh, she likes to use plasma weapons. And she has a fantastic uh, holographic Sashimono behind her, which is the symbol of her mercenary group. I thought this one turned out really well too. Yeah, and this is kind of used as this is how our covers are kind of come together, where we focus on a main character from the adventure, and it's a standalone. And um, so we usually try to get in um, somebody that can represent and give you a good hook into the adventure, and then kind of kind of give you an idea of what you might be coming into, and kind of reach out to you. So this would be like the first part of the cover. And then if we go to the next image. One, th one thing I wanted to say about her, though, is that I, uh, I specifically asked for her hair to be the color of ash, but to have like embers on the end. And I think the artist did a good job making that yeah. look like. Burning hair. Yeah. I mean. Burn, burn, burning, yeah. 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 I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's yeah. Burning. yeah. She's cool. And so this would be 
these kind of go along with uh, the covers then where there's a more in-depth scene that goes behind the cover image of the character. Yeah, and this that, is the same cover. That will be showing you know, what your player characters will be doing and who they'll be coming up against. And then these are always usually done by the same artist, so they're given a task of taking the character on and then also kind of showing a full scene. Yeah, both of these are from number 14, so you start out discovering a museum heist that you have to thwart in the beginning of number 14, so that's what this is depicting. Some of the Keshti thieves, and then the Iconics over there, kind of sneaking up on them. And this was done by, uh, I always, we have, we have, we have uh, artists from all over the world, and I think, was it Sietan Lee? Right? All right. Uh, no? Yeah. Wasn't it? No, then, yeah, Taya Stop. Oh, Taya Stop. All right. We get them mixed up sometimes. But, yeah. But they did a great job. So, we can go into the next um, And this would be, this is like just different aliens and um, different enemies that you come into. And this is the Hacker Devil. And um, this is done by one of my favorite artists named Gray Herb. And I think he did a really good job of kind of representing. Yeah, he represents the fact that this devil can digitize itself and invade a computer um, and actually just reside in the computer as kind of a curse. And um, uh, I think the, so all the devils have specific names uh, and it's a Lisloroth is the Sounds like a classic demon. Yeah. And uh, so a hacker devil is, pretends to be the artificial personality of a computer and uh, just screws with you while you're trying to use a computer. But if you manage to get it out, it leaves behind what uh, is called a computer imp, which is another m malicious program that also just makes it really hard to use a computer. It's, it's a really cool creature. Yeah. I'll move on. This is another adventure opener, or yeah, was this an opener or is this a final battle? This is battle? from number 14. Yeah, it's it's uh, a kind of a part three opener. So yeah. we do half pages for each part uh, of, the, of each adventure. And this is one of the parts of number 14 where you're kind of in this ruined part of the burning archipelago and you're fighting this uh, kind of uh, hybrid glass serpent that can turn invisible. Yeah. There's a really nice sense of opacity used on that and being able to kind of have the glass and then also showing like the power of the fire and the flame behind it and just giving a good sense of atmosphere, trying to carry you along throughout the adventure, showing you, kind of giving you a better idea of like what you're coming up against and helping out with the world building. I think so. one of the hard things that we gave the artists in this whole AP was the fact that a lot of these settings, they have these like force fields that right outside the force field is the sun, like is, is the plasma of the sun. And understanding that that's what we wanted and conveying yeah. that was uh, one of the things that we had to work on. Yeah, a lot of a lot of sense of lighting had to be used well in this. So, but. And this particular scene, you're right up against the edge of one of those force fields, so. This again is just uh, another enemy encounter and uh, just kind of showing off again more of like the flame and the fire but it's also just a flaming, floating skeleton, which, you know, who doesn't like that? And, and um. the adventure, these are called Pyrrhic Raves, and they uh, are offspring of this eldritch being that uh, has fire that can burn fire, basically. And uh, when you're 
cursed by that being, you can actually become one of these things. So, okay. uh, well, when you start out, you maintain your humanoid form, but then you evolve into kind of this thing, and as more and more of your body burns up, you just get fire. a longer jaw as it yeah. goes too. So, so. Anything to say about this? Should we talk about the development of it? <laughs> a little bit, I think. Yeah, so one of the, so when we write the art order, the, there are specific things that we have for species in Starfinder that are parameters, because they're not human, right? So, um, and when I asked for this character who's like this thug that works for the gang of the Keshtis that was shown in the other image, gotcha. um, uh, it came back and she had breasts, but Vesk don't have breasts. <laughs> and uh, Sarah had already put a note on it that said, I already asked for this to be changed. So she knew, and it, because that's our style. Yeah. But you can see that it was, uh, in the end, came out without that. So it's, And sometimes but, that ends up happening. Tell, Adam can tell you how that ended up happening. <laughs> <laughs> it just is a common thing that it's, it's interesting because in our orders and when we're talking to the artists, we put you know their genders or if they have a gender and a lot of time people just fall back on tropes and you have to kind of try to break people out of that since this is supposed to be a new fantastical setting and you don't always get it quite right and sometimes it gets in and it slides through and there's been instances like where I have to go in at the very end and do a quick paint over on part of it to get rid of because we're already too far along in and so there's always these little details that fans and everybody can start to notice if we mess up on or if we miss and so we're always trying to catch them too but once so, I learned that I started sometimes I'll leave the gender out of the art description mm -hmm. so the artist has no chance of yeah. because that they, did, they but tend to default to a masculine form if you don't tell them yeah so. yeah so just little interesting things like that and this is Mama Thrush, Mama. a really cool Keshti gang leader that Crystal Fraser made up for Starfinder number 14. Uh, she's a, an older Keshti mechanic and she has a lot of cybernetics there and uh, that the red around her eyes is actually the symbol of her gang and uh, it's just a really good characterization uh, for a portrait. Yeah and so that's another thing is like always kind of going between either trying to to order portraits for certain characters so that we can focus on the features of like her eyes and her face and try to get their character shown in that way or then ordering between their body or like a vignette something that can show more of a scene and so at some points it's you know trying to work out what works best within the story and to call attention to those person and so we use different artists that have different strengths, so that's kind of like if you, I don't know, are an inspiring artist or something like that, like part of it is is that if you're very good at something and you know you're better at that than other things, it's kind of, you might want to pursue into that avenue more because then you can be hired directly for that instead of trying to do a lot of different styles that maybe you're doing, you're spreading yourself thin and you're doing it kind of mediocre but then if you have one strength, it's kind of better to focus on that because I myself will hire a couple individuals who are really good at portraits and I know I can go back to them every time and then they get There's consistent one work. There's guy for Starfinder that does a lot of the landscape yeah. work. Yeah, who's really good. Yeah. So it's cityscapes. Exactly, so you know, that's kind of one thing to, to keep in mind if you're looking for work in this kind of way. And it's also kind of cool stuff like this because you never know who people 
will kind of latch onto. And there's certain characters that once their art comes out and they're part of the story, people get really excited about it and it starts to move on beyond just their initial, you know, whatever they were in the adventure. So yeah, and the people running the game can use these portraits to just show people what people look like. I mean, it's yeah. great. So That's the last one. Okay, so that was uh, just a little bit of the artwork for, for Dawn of Flame. There's um, a ton of really cool stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Pretty happy with how it turned out. So I think next we're going to move on to an upcoming book that hasn't been released yet, and it's going to be uh, the Alien Archive 3, which has uh, some new creatures that haven't been seen. So we'll, we'll see you onto that. Oh, that's oh, still, that's that's still, still <laughs> uh Oh, last one. Uh, that was, that's just another. <clears throat> that's a Dal Genie. Yeah. I really liked in this too is the update of a lot of these old kind of mythological, you know, uh, Arabic or Middle Eastern style, you know, mythology characters that have been updated for this science fiction fantasy. I haven't seen a lot of that in a lot of other things, and so I'm really really pleased with the way that a lot of these turned out, and it's a pretty cool new twist on it, I think. I really look, like how he looks stylized, like he has the stylized like armor, which is kind of, but it still looks high tech, so he, it looks like he's saying, yeah, I'm a, a wealthy guy, but. Yeah, but don't mess with me. But don't mess with me, because <laughs> I got a rifle. Yeah, a sword. yeah. All right, so now now we'll move on to Alien. Nope, still. No? Oh, we got one more, oh, we got one more Donna Flame, looks like. And again, that's just another scene. And it's always cool to be able to show the Iconics in full action and, you know, have them kind of take center stage into the story and kind of guide you along. So, and another cool fiery doom scene. Yeah, and this place is d even deeper in the sun, so. Yeah. It, yeah, and the artists did the plasma differently. I, I, I like how different artists interpret that type of stuff, so. So good. So there we go. <laughs> now we're into Alien Archive this 3. This is from Alien Archive yeah. 3. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you may recognize some uh, skittermanderness there. Uh, this is a, a drift dead amalgam. This is a template that comes with a monster. I think the next piece is, is the actual monster, but it will take and sort of these beings get fused together and turn into these horrible monstrosities such as that. So the cute skittermanders are not quite as cute anymore once they've been fused into a drift at amalgam. Do they stay, still say hello, new friend? Um, <laughs> maybe, it depends on if their mouths still work. They got threes, they probably say it in three. We have these plushies coming out soon, so you can yeah. kind of make your own. Yeah. <laughs> you duct tape them together. Yeah. Drift at amalgam. Yeah. <laughs> And there's the Drift Dead itself. This, this monster originally appeared in the first uh, volume of the Starfinder Adventure Path. Um, this is the, the Drift is sort of the hyperspace dimension of Starfinder, and if you die in the Drift, cut off from everything else in this plane, you can come back as a Drift Dead that just has a hatred of all life. So, you know, the spacesuit's kind of messed up a little bit. And I think that the, the Drift Dead actually is... The Drift Dead creature creates the Drift Dead amalgams when it attacks people yeah. and everything. So it's just a terrible way to die, but we brought it from the Adventure Path into the Alien Archive, so, you, so it's become like a you know, wider, wider thing. And um, I'd say also from like a artist standpoint on this, these type of books, which you know, the archives are essentially the Starfinder bestiaries, and this is where 
it's you know hundreds of new pieces being created for these that have to be done on a on a fairly quick turnaround. So we use a, a lot of artists end up on these or and this is for sometimes some people that um, are pretty good, but we haven't had a chance to really try them out on something, and then they can get a lot like a chunk of work all at one time and can kind of really shine and maybe see a little bit more of their ability that we haven't had the chance before to see. So it's kind of a a cool, a little bit of a way in sometimes, or you know, much in the way that we as developers hire designers or, or writers by giving them like one monster to begin with, or something yeah. like that. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of it too. I think most artists I know all love to draw monsters. So that's <laughs> <laughs> in this field. So this is a, this uh, this is another new alien from Alien Archive Three. This is the Hortus. Uh, it's a mushroom person. Um, they are a playable race, or they will be when when the book comes out. Um, if I remember correctly, they actually they live in the Atlante Star Empire. They and, do. And uh, they have like spores that help with like terraforming and that kind of stuff. And so the Atlante kind of just use them and, and seed them there and kind of use them as labor, all that kind of stuff. But they're not the Aslanti are very humanocentric, so they don't really like a lot of the aliens. So these guys don't have the best thing. But they can go and kind of. The, their spores can help terraform a planet and make it more habitable. So That's another word for humanocentric? Racist? <laughs> <laughs> this is a decimar. Um, these are these are also actually from the they also live in the Aslanti Star Empire. Um, it's another playable race, and here you can choose to either play the adult version or yeah. the instar, which is the, what is it? The it's the caterpillar version. Right. Yeah. So, so if you're a decimar, you can decide not to grow up. So you don't ever enter your chrysalis <clears throat> and you don't ever become this, so you can stay in the caterpillar form. And it's a very cute caterpillar, it's a very, too. We're wearing a lab coat. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before you get the brightly colored, uh, the wings of the, of the full-on decimar, but this is sort of a, you know, insectile insectile race that's, you know, I think looks super alien and also very brightly colored. And yes, yeah. they do have three foot long tongues. Yep. Oh. There's the Hortus again. Yep. Hello, Hortus. Hello. Uh, okay, and yeah. that's, uh, this is sort of what we, we tend to do in our alien archives, we'll do a, one monster will be one spread of two pages, and so we tend to do two pieces of art for each one. Um, a lot of times we'll have two different stat blocks, two different versions of the same creature, and so we'll have the art. This one was for the Yithian, uh, which come by way of Pathfinder, by way of Lovecraft, the great race of Yith. Um, and this isn't the full thing, but this is sort of the neck of the Yithian, and these are the these are the race that can send their minds through time and basically inhabit other people's bodies. That they originally did that to escape the some cataclysm. So I think this one is sort of doing some sort of psychic thing, possibly to transfer minds with yeah. that poor fellow there. Yeah, they can mind swap, and they put your mind in their body. Yeah, their big clawed. Which isn't even their original bodies because yeah, they were nobody yeah. knows what they originally look like. But I think that he's going into a Lashunta there and will soon be a Lashunta, yeah. just with an alien brain inside it or an alien mind inside it. So, and this is a new swarm creature. This is the Zersk. Yeah. Um, that so the swarm is one of the big threats in Starfinder, big galactic threats. They're like the sort of locust-like race that just consumes everything in their path. And we've been kind of doing. Uh, a new swarm creature in every alien archive. So this is a, a new one. Um, looks pretty scary and pretty. And, and we also, it's kind of 
getting ready for the attack of the swarm adventure path, which yeah. is a adventure path that's all focused on the swarm, which will have even more swarm creatures. But this one's an alien archive three, and yeah, I like how it has like uh, bat-like wings because the swarm assimilates the genetic material of the stuff that it devours, so the swarm can look like a bunch of different type of animal forms, yeah. and, but still insectile like, and horrifying. And an interesting thing too about this is, so this is, like they were saying, the swarm, and our next adventure path is all focused on them. And kind of one of the cool things about within the art world of this is that, you know, whoever works on this original idea, these pieces then get passed on to the next artist for them to be able to work off of. And then it's pretty interesting to be able to see their interpretation from this interpretation, and it keeps growing down the line. And that's kind of the way that a lot of this works. And you can kind of see this whole world being built between all these artists that are creating it together, being based off of one of each other's works, and it kind of all gels together. And it's just kind of a cool thing to see the whole world being built out of all these different people. And it's also super yeah. fun as a developer to be able to describe something for the first time and then see what the artist comes up with. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> be like, what is this? You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I find that the often the simpler the description, the better the yeah. That's it. Get back from that's the a key artist, thing so. that we've learned in out through all this is let the artist be an artist, <laughs> and then. You know, we put input that needs to be changed to fix in with the story or, you know, I'll be things with color or anatomy or perspective or things like that to make it a little bit better. But um, a lot of the time, if we hire you, we're going to trust that you're going to be a professional and deliver good work. So that's what. There's times too where we've gotten cool art that's different than what we had originally imagined, but it's like, oh, that looks like so cool, and like we should give something else to this monster or something just to make it match the yeah. art because it or comes we'll in so much. Or just change the thing that exists already and what we're <laughs> creating to make right. it match the art better. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so yeah, it's a give and take, but yeah, we can get some cool stuff. Indirect, you know, that how you're. So in some it. ways, the artist can influence the design directly. I mean, yeah. So. Um, looks like that was, that's the last piece of art we have. So um, I don't know. Does anybody have any questions about how this works? Or what? Yeah. I'd love to hear just more about what an art order looks like. like. How does this start when it goes to an artist? What, what do you do with that? So when you're developing something, Hold on, they're gonna, oh, so okay. they can get it on that. Okay. So yeah, I was just. Sure. Yeah. So I was just wondering how an art order really starts. What does the beginning of this look like, and how does it evolve? So when you're develop, when I as a developer am developing something like the the swarm entry in the Alien Archive, I I write the art order for the creatures that are in that based on the stat block and based on what we said in the text and stuff like that. Um, we often try to avoid physically describing very specifically stuff in the text so we can get art that is doesn't have a bunch of restrictions on it, but. Uh, and so we just do that for each thing. Yeah. So or in an AP, I describe a scene with what characters I want in, in it, and usually just what they're doing, never like where they are or stuff like that. Yeah. So. so then I will get that, and then I'll read through it, and I'll think about you know somebody that would be good for that. But then I go back with them sometimes, and we break down throughout you know what should this look like, what ideas maybe I have for that, and what we want to be able to translate over to the artist, maybe a little bit of a change here or there because it will work better within what we're trying to get. Then I contact an artist, give them the order, answer any questions that they have, and then throw an additional reference or anything like that that they do. And then as it comes along, we get 
a batch of like usually simple sketches. We go back and forth between the developer and myself. Yeah, I get to work see the sketches, which is fun. Yeah. yeah, and then we go like you know either input from them or input from myself, and that kind of starts to come into like you know anatomy or just anything that we think can make it look better or you know correct if it's if it's off in some sort of way. Sometimes you know a little bit of our own addition gets thrown into it. Back to them again, and then we get a final pass, and then that will go through one more round usually, and then. That's the, the end piece. But like an art order might say, this is a male Kasapa wearing a high-tech jumpsuit that's black and, and with yellow accents, and he has a reversed the colors on his face mask, and uh, he's older and his skin is blue, and he's wearing a laser pistol and a sword. You know, and it could be that simple. Yeah. And part of it too is even at the beginning, as we're as the developers working on the book, it's trying to decide what pieces we want to illustrate. And so, in like a big monster book, it's pretty obvious we're going to draw the monsters. In an adventure, we're looking for the big characters, the main characters, and then it's like, well, do we want a full body illustration, or is this just more of a portrait? Um, what kind of scenes we want to do, and then also think about how the book is laid out, so we don't want to illustrate two things that are really close together because then the art's not going to be where they are on the page. So it's also just trying to get a sense of where things are going to hit in the book. And and that's and actually another thing is when art and sketches are coming in and then I have to be conscious of how it's going to be laid out in the book and so that it doesn't, you know, it might look really cool, but I can't have somebody that has an eight-foot tongue that's shooting across <laughs> the page or something like that because it will break through all of the text. And a, it a common be, thing is, you know, is somebody in a pose with like a long weapon, you know, that goes all the way across the page. Yeah. So that's also something as an artist that is hired that have to be conscious of that because they need to try to create in those constrictions as well. And also for, for pawns, a lot of the art we'll use on pawns too for adventures or monster things. And of course, those are little rectangular pieces of cardboard. So it's also thinking about how do we describe it and, and, and order it to, so that we can also use that and not have it all cut off. And if you're pawns. not familiar with, with what a pawn is, a pawn is basically just a paper miniature. Cardboard. Cardboard. Yeah. Cardboard is paper. That's true. Well, but paper <laughs> sounds all floppy. Yeah, they're sturdy cardboard miniatures. We have a question from Twitch, from Dennis Avatar. He asked, what do you do when an artist turns in a piece that isn't quite up to spec? Do you re have them redo the art, or do you sometimes change the text to match the art? Um, it's usually we have it at the sketch stage, and we ask them to be able to include what we were looking for. So if it's not up to what the description is for the adventure, then we try our best to have them be able to redo it and get that in. I mean, there is also times where the art isn't as good as maybe what we were expecting from them, and so there has to be kind of a, a lot of reworking with that or, or pushing them into another direction. And unfortunately, if they don't get there, then they're not hired usually again. So that's, you know, that's kind of one thing to keep in mind too, is that I've definitely had people present artwork, but then when their time came for them to deliver what they're supposed to. It's not up to what they showed me originally. So they kind of misrepresented themselves. And after that point, I won't use that person again. So. But we, we have to be flexible too. Sometimes we do change text to match yeah. art that isn't uh, the same, even, even if it's not because it was super cool in the art, but because the art just doesn't necessarily match. Yeah, and, and sometimes you got to realize too is that there's so much of this stuff happening in tandem for a book that's happening now, one that's happening in the future, and 
there's a lot of art sometimes all coming in and some things just slip through the cracks that I didn't catch or didn't see and then we're at near the end and there isn't time to be able to have them to go back and redo it and then so they will graciously sometimes <laughs> switch things around a little bit to accommodate that you know but yeah. we don't want to do that so for uh, uh, sorry for the dawn of flame uh, flaming skeleton was uh, a flap around his hood uh, a brief detail or something the artist added himself uh, that was the artist's interpretation yeah. so that mm -hmm. th that description was super simple yeah. and I just trusted that somebody who would draw a skeleton on fire with a fiery heart that didn't have any legs because it's flying through the air. Yeah. So. And so that's kind of a cool thing too is yeah, there can be as an artist a lot of your own interpretation as long as the core needs are met and it isn't too far off in a direction that makes it not what the description is, you know. Yeah, and so. I developed that adventure and I thought that that image was perfect for what I was looking for for that monster, so. Um, there's a lot of posters for sale from Paizo that have Pathfinder art on them. Are we going to see any that have Starfinder art on them available to purchase? I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure that we're that we're doing posters anymore. Those are mostly older things, and I think that's something we we've, we've gone away from. Um, that doesn't really hit us. That's kind of decided at another level. And like we're doing posters, and that's probably when you know Adam and the rest of the art staff have to do that. Um, we may go back to doing them, but there's there's no plans right now. Do is our our t-shirts are done by a partner, right? Uh, it they vary. Like sometimes it's us in house. Sometimes oh, okay. it's yeah. We're looking at both options, I think. Okay. Uh, question from Twitch: How do you make sure to stay on the same art style? Um, that's kind of um. I'm I'm picking people that use trying to keep a cohesive vision with the artists that we hire for the book, kind of in a way that. So if we're going through an adventure and we start with a core group of artists for the first book, I like to try to keep them going throughout the whole thing so the continuity is the same. You know, there's people that pick up in between, but the goal, and that's the other thing, is we share, you know, previous reference, previous pieces of art to be like, also, you need to keep this on brand, you know, do, do you, but stay within these constraints because we're trying to keep this all in a cohesive world. So it's usually by sharing past pieces and just kind of putting trust in the artists that we work with. And the style is often the same in the same book because it's all, I mean, a lot of it's by the same artist. So. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, like if you were buying a monthly comic or something like that and, you know, having the same person drawing it every month, that's kind of the way I look at it too is to keep those six volumes or three volumes together in that same core group of people. Uh, you guys talked a little earlier about sometimes the art coming in influencing the abilities that the creature had. I was wondering if you had any examples of creatures where that happened. Now I have to think. Now I have to think. <laughs> I think that the Reclan changed a little bit because of the art that came in. Oh yeah? So it's this kind of flying space viper fish that uh, also shoots like lasers or, or electricity or something like that. I, I don't know, but yeah. uh, the original art description didn't include, uh, I think, part of what it can now do. I can't remember exactly what it can do, though. I mean, what it, what it influenced, though. I'm sorry about that. I don't remember exactly. 
Another yeah. big one that, that happened was the uh, Skittermanders in the first Alien oh, Archive. Yeah. Um, those were written up. This was part of, like, in our initial books, we were trying to get, we were trying to order art while we're trying to write the rules and, and get everything done. So there was lots of things coming in all at once. And the... I'm not sure exactly what the order of, it, what order of it was, but I think the art was ordered before we actually got the monster in, and so the monster was completely was completely different. But the Skittermander art was like, well, these are like amazing, these, these kind of things. And so there, we pretty much had to rewrite most of that monster, and that the, so the Skittermanders changed significantly from what they were originally supposed to be. Uh, there's a question from Twitch about. Uh, oh, sorry, it moved on me. Uh, is there artwork that has inspired an adventure for you? Now, Rob, we've heard you say there's a big list of adventures. Have adventures been added to that list because of artwork you've seen? Um, no, he's talking about we have a list of sort of adventure path concepts that we might want to do for... I'm usually more inspired by, like, fiction or something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure if there's anything visual that's inspired anything else. You can well, think so of. some of the images of um, Abalon that have been done over, especially like the cityscapes and stuff like that from Pact Worlds, and uh, kind of inspired what appears, some of what appears in number 15, which is a, uh, without getting spoilery, uh, a similar species, but in a different place. I have some, so. like, you know, I will, I'll discuss with artists, other artists, like, you know, make this a little bit like Mobius or something like that or like you know we'll have references between each other sometimes when we're trying to get to the final goal so sometimes definitely on my end of times there will be some different artistic references or shared influences between us to get to that image from a developer standpoint it can be it can be kind of tricky with that because like if you if you have some kind of image and first of all, like if we don't own it, it's, you're not really shouldn't be sending that to yeah. the artist. But if you do, then you can also get the thing where they may take it very literally and just do that exact same thing. And we're not the artist; we work with the words. And like we said, we want the artist to be the artist. So it's probably better to be if there is something like that. Really, be general in that because it's never going to come out exactly the same way. I mean, I guess that would be an inspiration, anyways. But I try to at least separate that because I don't want to be telling the art staff or their artists how to do it. Just like this is mainly basically what we want. Uh, Twitch is reminding us of a, a anecdotally uh, a spoiler from yesterday. I think it's a Pathfinder spoiler in that uh, the the Remoraz, which is going to be in the bestiary for Pathfinder Second Edition, the art uh, has a breath weapon. The original monster did not, and uh, the art did, and everyone loved the art, but didn't realize until final days that the art included a breath weapon that the monster didn't have. So they added a breath weapon to the to the monster. Uh, it, Rather than change the art, oh, so and I updated the Remoraz to Pathfinder too. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's the story as I understand yeah, it. No, because honestly, I wasn't involved in it, but that's the way I remember hearing it yesterday. Um, when um, when the first rough draft is returned, what percent complete is it? Is there any color or just a sketch? Uh, that varies on the artist. That is, um, some people. There's a whole group of studio that we use that their sketches are almost finals and but they will go back and change it to however we want but they bring it in full color there's some people that i know that it's they their final work is so good and they're able to get across what they're doing and with relatively it's in, in some cases just bare shapes and like a couple muted colors and that yeah, some of that times that's where i'll go back and talk with them a little bit more and be like hey i know this is looking 
like almost nothing <laughs> at this point, but trust me, this is what this is and this is what we're gonna get at this point. So it kinda, it just depends on the person and then what our relationship is. Well, I'm lucky too because I was uh, trained as an illustrator, so I I know what a gesture sketch is or whatever, you know, yeah. something like. Twitch has more questions. Okay. Um, who's your favorite old school artist for each of you? And you can name your new school artists as well, but you might not want to play favorites with any current artists, so they'll understand <laughs> if you don't want to do that. Um, well, for RPGs, it would be Elmore for me. But oh, I love Elmore. I, lo I like uh, Tim Hildebrandt back in the day. Um, but from our stuff, I like Mirko. Uh, what's his last name? Paganesi, yeah. I'm not going to give any current favorites for, I don't want to. <laughs> I will. <Yeah. laughs> I also, Elmore is a big classic. I started playing with the Red Box, so he, he had a lot, of, a lot of art there. Um, Errol Otis was the red, the real Red Box. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, yeah. well, I was going to mention <laughs> Errol Otis, too, because actually before I got the basic box, I got the old expert box that Errol Otis did the art for. Yeah. So, and. For a newer thing, I'm going to call out somebody, which is Rimko Trost. Oh, yeah. so he's, he does all of the covers for our hardbacks for Starfinder. Oh, he's got all of our iconics and everything. So he's really developed a lot of the look of Starfinder. And like Starfinder would not be the way it is without without his art. So definitely a fan of his work. Oh, we got, and we got to say Wayne Reynolds, too. So. Oh, yeah, Wayne Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> I love Wayne. He doesn't work on Starfinder. And so. our cartographer, <laughs> Damien. Oh, yeah. Eric, excellent. And who is also a very good illustrator as well. Yeah. So. Um, do you always have a clear vi oh, scrolled, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> do you always have a, a clear vision of how the art should look, or are you open to some crazy creativity? I think we kind of address this. I think it's yeah, it's, it's fairly open, yeah. but, you know, to a point, you know. And I mean, that's kind of like I was saying earlier. We try to hire people that we know are going to deliver something good, that we trust in them to a certain level, and then. They're open to things like they were kind of saying, if it's something that was unexpected, but it's still, I think the core idea is that it's still representing what was asked of them and then what is extra is kind of a bonus if it's done well, so. I think particularly with scenes, they can be a lot more creative. That's pretty with composition because I know I try not to, because again, it's, as developers, we don't want to give the artist direction, so we just pretty much say like a, a brief, brief description of the scene, and these are the characters or the monsters in there. And I think it's really great when you see what the artist. And sometimes they'll do like really just composition sketches. They may do like three or four, and they like well, these characters here and here. And then you know we talk with the art director and be like, I think this one's the best. Well, I think this one's the best. And then we kind of yeah. do that. So that that I think can get a little bit more creativity there, particularly in the composition and. The yeah, placement of, of figures and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the only time that has to be a little more restrictive is if it's a small area that is actually depicted on a map also, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times you send a map reference with the art order for the illustration. So. Since Starfinder is very unique uh, in, in style and uh, the originality of its creations, uh, how often do you have to ask an artist to provide you several versions of what the alien creature can look like, for example? Um. So it's usually, like I said, we come in with that first initial sketch, and that's where a lot of the decision-making will be at that point. And so if it's pretty off of what we're looking for, then I'll, we'll ask for a new one or in a, you know make additions to it in there. So don't, or sometimes people will give in. I definitely get at points where I'll get three or four from one person, 
And that's usually at my discretion. Then I pick one or two of the best, and then I'll run it by with them, you know, because then there's sometimes where it just automatically I can tell it's not going to work or it's not good, very good. But so I'd say a lot of artists usually give in a couple with their sketches, maybe a different position or something like that. But that at that stage is where most of those changes would happen. But sort of at the beginning when we first were working on Starfinder, <clears throat> we got a lot of concept art um, because it was a brand new game. And so of ships, of alien races and all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of because it was a brand new game, we kind of go through that longer process. And that gave us lots of different things to choose from and everything. So, But on all, sort of our monthly products and stuff, we don't really have the budget or the time to go through that process. But certainly for like the big stuff, quickly launching the game, we did. Yeah. Any other questions? Any tips for getting artists to stay on deadline? <laughs> <laughs> um, Fortunately, the art order. Yeah, deadline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, yeah, and get the give. Try to give them the maximum amount of time, amount of time that we can. Um, I think that just kind of goes down to. I fortunately I haven't had that much problems with that, but what it kind of comes down to is you know, what do you want? out of being an artist because if this is the career that you want to do and you want to be a freelancer for companies, if you start blowing your deadlines and you're not trustworthy, then you're not going to be hired again. And so that that's against you in the, in the end. I mean, it's a temporary thing for me and it's a headache, but I'm not going to use you again after that point if it becomes an issue. And if I'm talking to somebody else that works somewhere else, and you might come up in that, and then they might not use you. And so it's like you need to be conscious of your own, you know, your own career and what and how you want it to be managed and what you want out of it. Because if you're not going to be a professional, then you're not going to get professional work. Yeah, I think it kind of has to go without saying because you're not going to say up front, look, if you don't meet your deadlines, you're not. And when I talk to other people, I'm not going to tell them. But yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious, right? So you don't feel like a jerk when you don't hire them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a you know, and it's like yeah. if, if there's something that come with, comes up in your life, or you know, to whatever that will work with you on that. But yeah. if it becomes an issue, then it's just you know, it's it's actually the exact same thing for writing. You know, yeah. you know I commission writing, and you know, sometimes things come up for people. They just got to keep in communication and let yeah. them know. Yeah. So, and I mean, yeah, we've had people that just completely ghosted out, they accept things, and then just don't talk again. It's like, okay, well, you know. I've never had that happen yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, here's a question from uh, Twitch. Do you, do you frequently have the situations where uh, when you come up with some amazing artwork, but when you finish it, you clearly realize that it doesn't fit Starfinder, yet you desperately want to include it, and what do you do with it? I don't think the really happen. Not really, just because all these things are so specifically ordered and they have a purpose from the get-go. And so that doesn't happen often. There's occasionally where we might cut a piece of artwork because in the adventure it isn't super crucial and we actually don't have the room for it. But then that is usually saved and is used down the line for something else that we can repurpose it for. Yeah, usually like a pawn set. Yeah. So, you know, if there's an image of a of a creature that's also depicted in the alien archive and the adventure is running long we can take that 
specific image out and use it for the pawn set for that character. So I'll 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 tell everybody that as a PR manager and marketing manager, if if uh, you guys don't reuse it, we'll we'll ask you to use it in the in the, in the blog. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, yeah, and make that's sure that too, it gets yeah. out to to people if 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 it possibly can. So yeah, we usually nothing pick goes unwasted. We usually pick pieces that we can reuse. Yeah. And we usually don't order we usually don't order extra. When we're plotting out a book, for example, we have to know when we're assigning the writing, we have to know how many words they're gonna write and art takes up word space on the page, although artists might say that words take up art space. But you know, so we have to know we have to kind of plan ahead of time before we even order the text, at least a little bit what the art is. And things like adventure paths are pretty templated. We know about how many pieces of each type of art is going to go in there. So it's not like we have a whole lot of extra. It's we order the art we need for the book, and those are the pieces with you know, a few exceptions here and there, like this. Especially for articles like that appear in the back matter for, of APs and stuff like that, the art is pretty limited yeah. for, for space. So we know what it's, we pretty much know what it's going to be. And the cool thing about that is that uh, the writer then often has an opportunity to suggest the art. And some time. of this is being linked over into our organized play programs too, so then the art can be, ties into some of the APs and an overarching story and then passes along into that as well. So sometimes there's a variety of uses that it can end up going across. Nothing goes to waste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think, uh, unless, yeah, go ahead. Do you guys have a particular alien that has shown up in Starfinder's art so far that's been your favorite alien that you've gotten to see and work with? I really like from this alien archive that's not here are the, the Stridermanders, which are the the big bad versions of the Skittermanders, kind of. So <laughs> the banquet tonight, you'll see well, you'll see those at the banquet tonight. Yeah. So I'm going to show that off. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite aliens appears in number thirteen, and uh, it's. Uh, um, what are the people? What are the creatures from? Uh, it's a rifty protean, right? So it's a little snake guy. It's a it's a it's a very low CR being from the plane of chaos that's created when your drift engine malfunctions as you're coming back into the material plane. But he looks like a little snake, and I remember writing in the art order, make him look very pleased with himself. So it's this little forearm <laughs> snake dude, and he's got his hands steepled, but he's like. <laughs> so it was great. It was yeah. a great piece of art. Mine's one of a uh, playable races from the Pact Worlds book called the Bantrids. They're little people. They roll around on little. They basically have little track balls instead of feet, and they're constantly in motion. But it's just so they've got a little ball. They got this kind of. They look like some they people look say like they look noses like, on some wheels. Some people say they look like <laughs> noses, but they don't. But he's got little arms. He's still. They're very cute. And then there's also there's also a piece of like some of the iconics making first contact with them, and they're yeah. like, hey, it's like, hey, everybody, we're all friendly. So that's one of my favorites. So Rob played a Bantrid in our developers game, and I he did. sat on a rolling chair, and he would role play by... Role play. He would yeah. role play. Yeah. That's why they're the writers. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, um, we're, we're just about out of time. If anybody in the room really has a last question, we're, we're happy to take it. Um, I can see here on Twitch that some folks are amused by the debate between art taking up word space and word space taking up art space. <laughs> <laughs> this room might might feel, feel empathy toward that. Um, and uh, uh, but there is a question here: uh, ha Have you how many personal PCs have you ordered art to be put into a product? <laughs> I don't know that you want to answer that one out loud yeah. <laughs> I, next I to your coworkers, that honestly, but though. yeah, none. Yeah, I, I've ordered none. I don't know if I've done well. 
Some personal PCs have appeared as as in specific products. So I've I can think of at least one. Although I didn't order it, I was contracted to write it, and then you know I provided references right. and stuff. Like <laughs> at least one, um, which will be coming out on a Pathfinder Adventure Path soon, and yeah. that's probably the only yeah. one. As a writer, yeah. Yeah, as a writer, it's a little bit easier to slip that stuff in because it's just a few words in the middle of a bunch of other yeah, words. Yeah, I'll, I'll add harder. that the only reason I haven't done it is because I haven't taken the opportunity. I would. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.